Welcome to the Retire Right Podcast with Larry Heller. You deserve complete financial advice. There's no acceptable alternative if you want a plan to live well and on your terms. Complete financial advice equals complete peace of mind. Now, let's get into this week's podcast episode. Hello and welcome to episode number 12 with Larry Heller. This is the conclusion of our four-part series on the Social Security Conundrum. We're going to cover two topics in this last part today because they weren't really long enough to do two separate podcasts, but there's still distinct differences. So this is going to be part A and part B of part number four. We're going to make this uh, as fun as possible. The first part of this episode number 12 is about Social Security divorce and survivor benefits. Now, Larry, this is one of the largest conundrums and things that people really don't understand. So break this down for us. Yeah. Hi, Matt. I will go through the the qualifications for both a divorce and a surviving spouse and Social Security. So why don't we jump right into it and we can start with the divorce spouse. So here are some of the rules for divorce spouse benefits. Uh, And they're basically the same as the spousal benefit as long as the marriage lasted 10 years or more and the person receiving the divorce spouse benefits is currently unmarried and the ex-spouse is at least age 62, and the divorce was more than two years ago, the ex-spouse does not need to have filed for benefits if the divorce was more than two years ago. So those are the rules. Some of the other notes that you should be aware of that doesn't make a difference how many times your ex-spouse was married everyone is entitled to the benefits from an ex-spouse, not just the first spouse. Uh, so therefore, the benefits paid to one ex-spouse do not affect the benefits paid to the, the other. The government has actually got to pay you know, both or three times, depending upon how many spouses you were married, how many wives or husbands that person has. And to apply, you have to show your divorce degree. And just so you're aware, if you are divorced and you are receiving benefits, and then you remarry, your divorce benefits stop upon remarriage of the spouse collecting the benefits. Not upon remarriage of the primary worker spouse, but upon upon the remarriage of the person collecting the collecting the benefits. So not that you're gonna plan getting remarried around Social Security, but if you are, you could see either a increase or a decrease in your Social Security benefits if you get remarried after already collecting them. What about somebody like Larry King, right? He's been married like 85 times. How, how does that play out? As long as his, spy, his ex-wives don't remarry, they're able to claim. How does the government split something like that up? I'm not, not trying to get too complex here, but when you were saying well, that... Remember, each one had to be married at least 10 years. Okay. And so that's the first thing. And I don't know if he had everyone, yeah, yeah. you know, the 10-year marriage. But if they, were all, if they were married for more than 10 years... Yeah, they all qualify separately. So it, it doesn't, you know, the, the government just has has to pay out some higher benefits based upon Larry King's earnings over there, you know, over his lifetime, which obviously would be the maximum amount. So, right. so yeah, so that's just one of the little quirks in the system to just make sure that um, if somebody was married more than once, they're still entitled to their fair share of the of the benefits. Gotcha. Interesting. Okay, what's next? Okay, so let's talk a little bit about um, you know the survivor you know survivor benefits. 
and what are the eligibility. So in order to collect on survivor benefits, you have to have been married at least nine months unless the death came from an accident, then the nine-month rule doesn't apply. The survivor must be at least 60 years old to receive reduced benefits or full benefits at full retirement age. Um, if, the, if the survivor was actually disabled, then they could collect Social Security's survivor on disability at age 50. Um, so, But most survivors are looking to collect at age 60. Now, we're not talking about survivor benefits for children and children benefits based upon how old the, how old the person is. So we're just talking about survivor benefits to the surviving spouse. Okay. So the survivor benefits are not available if the widow or widower remarries before age 60 or 50 if they're, if they're disabled. So interesting conversation and actually we, we actually are talking with a client and discussing all the options. Unfortunately, her husband passed away when he was 45 and she now is 59 and we're looking at some of the different options. And at age 60, she would be eligible for survivor benefits. And we'll talk a little bit more about why she's not doing it when we talk about the Part B today. So she would be eligible for some survivor benefits at age 60. But we also kind of, she was also very serious. And we were talking about getting remarried. And if she remarried before age 60, she wouldn't be entitled to that. If she waited until she's remarried after age 60, her survivor benefits would continue until she changed to her own benefits, even if she remarried after age 60. So age 60 is an important number on, you know, collection of survivor benefits that you should be aware of. All right. So, you know, kind of going through this, that if you, you know, if you are uh, a survivor, Usually there is a way to maximize the survivor benefits and the, the way you really want to do that is that when you're eligible for survivor benefits, you collect on what's either, you know, lower. You can collect on the deceased spouse benefits first and then you can still build up your own benefits and then switch to your own benefits at a high, at a, a later age. And we talked about, you know, how much it can grow if you wait to age 70. So you, one of the advantages of the, of the you're still allowed to take the switch in collecting the, the survivor benefits and then switch to your own at the later age. So you want to do that. You want to always take the higher benefit last. So if it was the other way around and your benefit was going to be less than the survivor benefit, You'd want to take your benefit first and then switch to the survivor benefit at full retirement age. Okay. So the sequencing and which ones you're going to take is important to decide how you're going to take it and looking at all the different, you know, all the different options and all the different ages, again, goes back to the, the calculators and trying to figure out how you can determine which is the best way, you know, which is the best way to go. Okay. Uh, well, that actually. Well, go ahead. No, no. I was just, I was just saying. Wow. Just because. I, I, again, this is one of those things where our, our audience needs to try to wrap their brain out around what you're saying. And and just so everybody knows, as, as Larry had said in an earlier podcast, it was way more complicated than this. In what? Oh eight. When when did the laws change again? Uh, no, it was uh, fifteen. Oh, fifteen. Wow, it was way out 15. there. Fifteen. So okay. it was two two years ago. Okay. 
before that, there was a lot more options and a lot more things you could do. There still is. And the survivor and divorce benefits really haven't been affected by those changes. But um, but it's still very complicated and you don't want to make a mistake because, you, like I mentioned before, you can only go back six months now. So you really want to make sure that you do it on a timely basis and you make the right decision. Okay. Now, anything else on Social Security, divorced and survivor benefits before we move to the part two of this podcast? Well, it, not really. There is some things, obviously, that tie into that, and, and I'll kind of go right into the earnings test here. So this this applies to whether you're divorced or or a survive, receiving survivor benefits, or just you're collecting under your own benefits. That you you want to be careful because if you decide to take benefits before your full retirement age and you are working, you actually can forfeit. Some of your benefits. For example, for ev- before your full retirement age, for every one dollar in benefits, you will be withheld for every two dollars you earn over seventeen thousand dollars. Actually, sixteen thousand nine twenty. So, depending upon how much you're making, if you decide to collect benefits at age sixty-two and you're still working, you could actually be making too much money to collect any benefits. So you need to, de- to really determine, does it make sense to take it at an earlier age because you're, you're getting a reduced benefit and you actually may lose your benefit if you're, if you're working. Hmm. So, and it's also, you know, it's not just what you're working. It's also on this, if you're getting spousal benefits and, you're, and your spouse is working, it could, it also applies to that. So you need to be really careful just not knowing whether you're eligible but knowing whether it makes sense to take it at an earlier age. So for this particular client we were talking about, the survivor, she's working. Although she she thought she would be able to get survivor benefits at age 60 and was, and was excited about that, but it doesn't make sense for her to stop working because she's making more, more money than she would receive in the survivor benefits, but she's making too much money to receive any survivor benefits at this particular time. So when she's, you know, closer to full retirement age, then we'll have to look at it again to see which benefit to take first. So the earnings test is, is really the first calculation you want to look at. If by some reason you have to or you want to take your benefits before full retirement age. Is there any way around any of that? I mean, earnings seems to be a squishy number. Isn't it? I mean, it can't people. It's not. It, it's not. It's um, not earnings from capital gains or dividends or interest. It's work earnings. It's salary. just the work earnings. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. Work okay, earnings. I got you. I apologize. I thought yep. that I was clear uh-huh. on that, but okay, gotcha. Okay, okay. What's no, uh, no? What... Actually, that's a good point. I didn't even clarify that. So yeah. So it's just a matter of, of how much you're making from uh, from working, not okay. your your um, your dividends and interest income. Gotcha. All right. What's next? So the other part now is. You know, you've decided to take the Social Security and you're even at full retirement age or or even if you're before full retirement age and you are not working. So there's no earnings test. Now the next decision comes in. Will any of your Social Security benefits be taxed? Because if you make too much money, your Social Security is going to be taxed. And this, this also gets into some really interesting planning concepts later on. But let's just say you are, you are married. And 
if you're married and you're earning under $32,000, none of your Social Security will be taxed. Now, this one, Matt, this does include your dividends and your interest in there. And it also includes one half of your Social Security benefits. And not only does it include your dividends and interest, it also includes the income you earn from tax-free bonds. You can't just buy all tax-free bonds, collect tax-free interest, and be eligible to avoid taxes on your Social Security. Uh, if you make between thirty-two and forty-four thousand, then up then one half of your Social Security benefits are subject to taxes. And if you make over forty-four thousand dollars, then eighty-five percent of your Social Security could be you know could be taxed. So there are some interesting concepts here that when you start collecting your Social Security, if you're either working part-time or consulting part-time, if one year you you can have more than $44,000 and the following year you can have less than $44,000 and you can kind of change which year you have the income go in, you may be able to have your Social Security not taxed one year. So depending upon what you're earning, um, you want to kind of see what your Social Security is because a lot of times people are now retired. So now we're not looking at earnings from from work. You're just look, looking at earnings from dividends and interest. And most people these days are a lot of, you know, have their significant amount of their savings in qualified assets, in their 401k, in their IRA. So if they're in their, you know, mid-60s, they're not drawing down their IRA or their 401k yet, their adjustable gross income may put them below the Social Security threshold. Hmm. So you, you, you want to kind of look at that number and see if you have any possibilities of making your Social Security non-taxable um, and looking at it for, you know, for, for, each, you know, for each year. So that's the first part of you know, trying to coordinate your Social Security is trying to figure out how to minimize your taxes as well. Okay. And then what you also really want to do is, you know, see if you can coordinate with all your different Social Security benefit options with all your other assets. So, for example, everyone knows at age 70 and a half, you have to take your required minimum distribution from your qualified accounts. So if you retire, let's say at age 66, your normal retirement age, and we've talked about the advantages of waiting on your Social Security to possibly age 70, you may have a few years between age 65 and age 70 where you have very little taxable income. So if you had taken your Social Security at normal retirement age, one thing, your Social Security could be taxable, but you're also maybe kicking yourself into a higher tax bracket. So if you waited until age 70, your required minimum distribution would also increase because you're not pulling money out of that account. And you're in a almost of a 0% tax bracket possibly for a few years. So one of the things you may want to look to is in those years, pulling some money out of your qualified accounts and filling up the 0% or 15% bracket in the earlier years. What does this do? 
it then lowers your required minimum distribution when you're 70 and a half. And at 70 and a half, when you're taking out that distribution and you're receiving your Social Security, you may be in a much higher tax bracket. So a lot of accountants always say defer your, defer your taxes to the future. Well, this may be a strategy where you want to take some of your taxes in a low bracket for a few years and either spend the money or one of the other things, strategies, which is nice, is to convert some of that money to a Roth IRA. So we may only be talking about, let's for, you know, $20,000, $30,000, depending upon what bracket you're in and filling up that bracket. But if you can have three, four years where you're taking money out and converting that to a Roth or using that and looking at your overall tax planning strategies, you can be saving thousands of dollars on your taxes. So it is very complicated. It's a big puzzle to try to figure out what works. It's also hard for a lot of people to look at their Social Security and want to defer their Social Security and spend down some non-qualified assets. So for, you know, for an example, if you look at Social Security as the present value of an asset and you have money just sitting in a bank account outside, you may want to spend down that bank account to defer your Social Security, not only to increase the Social Security benefits that we've talked about on previous podcasts, but lower your tax brackets in earlier years. One thing to keep in mind as we're doing this podcast right now, um, the Congress and the Senate is debating tax reform, so we don't know how that's going to be impacted going forward. So that's going to be interesting to see what happens going forward and what strategies we can put in place with our new tax brackets. What happens if a listener has multiple advisors that somebody would need to coordinate all of these different streams of income. How does that work? Because as I was listening to you say all of this stuff, the presumption I would be making is that they would be working with somebody like you, right? The single advisor who handles pretty much all of their financial life. What happens if they're not in a relationship like one with you and they have multiple people who are telling them multiple things how does that affect any of this and who becomes the ringleader and how do you coordinate your social security benefits with other assets and income streams if they're all over the place? Uh, that's a great question. So that's one of the reasons why clients come to us. But even with us, we just sat with a client and we actually had the accountant attend the meeting and we showed them what we were talking about and the accountant was figuring out, okay, how much can they withdraw from their qualified account this year to keep them below the 15% threshold? So it's important that, you know, some accounts are, you know, know all this stuff and will help you plan for this, but most don't. So it's really important that you work with an advisor who works closely with the accountant and, or understands the tax laws. So you're making decisions on net after-tax money that you're keeping with. So accountants usually don't, a lot of them don't do the free, you know, planning up front mm -hmm. because they're not, they're also not really in tune with the Social Security benefits. So sure. you really want to have somebody that's combined them together. Gotcha. All right. What's your, what, let's wrap up 
this part four of the four-part Social Security conundrum. And do you mind going back and giving us what the other uh, quick topics were? And then give us your words of wisdom on just this whole Social Security conundrum. Well, there's a lot of different pieces that go into all the different, you know, all the different Social Securities. So let me just see to, to wrap up between each one of them. Um, you know, we started with, you know, just the basics and when you're eligible and when you can collect and what you can talk about for each, you know, for each one of them. Uh, and all the different factors that go into play here. And then, you know, the spousal benefits and the strategies and solutions to maximize your strategies, um, you know, in your spousal benefits. And then today we talked about, you know, divorce and widows and along with the ways to coordinate that with your other other income. So when you put all this together, there is no quick answer Mm -hmm. to when you should take your Social Security and a lot of people just say, oh, I'm at retirement age, I'm going to take it or as soon as I'm eligible and don't even think about all these other strategies or how one could impact a lot of other aspects of your financial life. And it's a shame that you, you could be leaving a lot of money on the table or paying more in taxes without really planning for your Social Security. Right on. All right, Larry, thank you very much for your wisdom on this uh, four-part Social Security conundrum series that we've done. I'm sure we've got a lot more wonderful stuff we're going to be talking about in podcasts to come, but uh, thank you for your time today. You got it, Matt. So this was episode number 12, part four of a four-part series on the Social Security conundrum. Thank you very much for listening today. And once again, if you have not subscribed to our podcast, please make sure that you click the subscribe button below. And if you liked what we had today, make sure you share this with your friends and family. This is very, very important information that, as Larry said, can really make make you not retire as well as you might want to. Thank you very much. We'll talk soon.